Stay tuned for a word from the Lord. Merry Christmas from a word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings us a message he delivered on Christmas Eve at Holy Cross Anglican Church. We hope you enjoy. In my sermon preparation, I came across some tidbits about Christmas. And uh, some of these I thought were quite fascinating. I didn't know if you knew them, so I thought I might share some of them with you tonight. Back in the early days of England, a traditional Christmas dinner was a head of a pig prepared by mustard. Isn't that just what you want to have for a Christmas dinner? Um, According to a 1995 survey, 7 out of 10 British dogs got Christmas presents from their owners. Um, According to the National Christmas Tree Association, Americans buy 37.1 million real Christmas trees each year. Although many believe the Friday after Thanksgiving is the busiest shopping day of the year, it's not. It's the 5th. And sometimes the 10th busiest day, Friday and Saturday before Christmas, are the two busiest shopping days. just thought you'd want to know that. Some of y'all probably already know that, right? (laughs) America's official national Christmas tree is located in Kings Canyon National Park in California. The tree, a giant sequoia called the General Grant Tree, is over 300 feet high. It was made the official Christmas tree in 1925. An average household in America will send out 28 Christmas cards each year. And they'll receive 28 Christmas cards in their place. That reminds me of give and it shall be given unto you. This was interesting. As early as 1822, the postmaster in Washington, D.C. was worried about the amount of extra mail at Christmas time. His preferred solution to the problem was to limit by law the number of cards a person could send. Now, at this time, commercial cards weren't even available. People were already sending so many homemade cards that 16 extra postmen had to be hired in the city. That was 1822. During Christmas the Christmas buying season. Visa cards alone are used an average of 5,340 times a minute in the United States. And more than 3 billion Christmas cards are sent annually in the United States. Well, I am sure that this week some of you have been very busy. Um, You have been running from place to place Activity to activity, shop to shop, you've been buying present after present, wrapping, hopefully you've wrapped by now, or preparing things for Christmas. You've probably set up your Christmas tree, put lights and decorations on, got your house ready, and yet, so many times we do all these things and we forget what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. And so tonight, we've gathered to celebrate the real meaning, and that is the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the Savior of the world. Now, we believers make a big deal about His birth, and there's some reasons why we do that. First, the birth fulfilled numerous prophecies from the Hebrew Bible, which were specific about the Messiah and what He would do and when He would be born. Specifically, prophecies were 
about where the Messiah would be born. And of all the cities in the earth, Bethlehem is where the Messiah was to be born. When the Messiah would be born, what we would now call the first century. To what race the Messiah would be born, the Jewish race. To what family tree the Messiah would be born, the descendants of David. Another reason we get so excited about the birth of Jesus is it became very evident that Jesus was more than just a man. What he did with his life was much different than what other people did. The things he said, the things he did, didn't match up with regular human beings. For example, his miracles displayed a personal authority over creation and over nature. There's a story about Jesus and some of his followers going on a a trip across the sea. And they were on this boat, and Jesus decides he wants to take a nap. So he's sleeping on the back of the boat, and a big storm arises. And the storm's getting so bad that all the fellow passengers were starting to freak out. Waves were starting to come over the boat. They were beginning to panic. So they wake Jesus up. And he stands up and he goes, Peace, be still. And the sea became calm and clear as a lake. Just like that. He had this power and authority over creation and over nature. There's story after story of him healing somebody who had been sick or or maimed from the beginning of their life. People who'd been blind. Some people who couldn't hear. Some people who couldn't talk. Some people that couldn't walk. And he would touch them and they would be healed. He had an authority over nature and over the creation. There's a story one time about Jesus being up on a mountain praying. And he sent his disciples on ahead of him out on the the lake. And in the middle of the night, Jesus comes out walking on the water. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried that. I have. You see, I love to water ski. And if you're going to barefoot water ski at least back in the older days, what you would do is you would be on your slalom and you'd be going 35 or 40 miles an hour down the lake and you would step out of your slalom. It hurts. (laughs) Bang. I I did it twice and that's all it took. I didn't do it anymore. Walking on water is a difficult task. But Jesus had this ability. Jesus had this authority over the creation and over nature. But another thing about Jesus that made him so unique was he claimed the right to forgive sins. Most of us don't forgive sins. You gone to anybody and asked them to forgive your sins? There's a story of Jesus teaching in this house one night. And this guy who was paralyzed since the day he was born gets carried into this meeting by four buddies of his. Actually, they lower him through the roof, right in front of where Jesus is teaching. And Jesus says to him, Your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and walk. And he did it. Well, the people sitting around weren't amazed that he was healed. What they complained about was, Why is this guy saying his sins are forgiven? Who who does he think he is? Forgiving sins. He was God. Another aspect of Jesus was he called God his Father, which in the mind of first century folks 
basically said he was God. I want you to listen to the words of of Jesus answering a question. He had just healed a a man on the Sabbath day, and, and all the religious leaders at that time were very upset with him because you weren't supposed to do that on the Sabbath day. But listen to his response. And, and I want you to hear the play of the, when he talks about the Father and the Son. He says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so even the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. And he goes on and on about this father-son relationship, and it was driving the people crazy. Because in the first century mind, when they heard someone call God Father, that meant, and you called yourself his son, that meant you were God. And it got so bad that by chapter 10... They picked up stones to stone Jesus, to kill him. And he says, what good work are you stoning me for? What are you trying to kill me for? And they say, it's not for your good works. It's because of your blasphemy. For you, a mere man, claim to be God. See, when they heard someone call God their father, I mean, we pray it now all the time, our father, and we talk to him like that. But in that mindset, to call God your father, in some aspect, meant you were God. Another reason Jesus was unique was his resurrection. It validated his claims. You see... He was crucified on, the Roman, on this Roman cross and then he was raised from the dead and people saw him day after day after day, sometimes in groups of people. And if he hadn't been raised from the dead, we wouldn't be here tonight. He would have just been another individual. Why would we be celebrating anything? We wouldn't be here. But his resurrection made him different. Another reason we get real excited about celebrating his birth is that God is still trying to get our attention today. What He did with the baby, being born as a baby and living life, He's still trying to get our attention today. Imagine for a minute that you're in my backyard and you're with me as I see an anthill. And this anthill is making a mess of things in my backyard. Or I should say the ants are. But I'm a benevolent benevolent human. And so I want to give these ants opportunity to be saved. So I tell them, you've got one week. You need to move. Maybe you can go to the neighbor's yard or, or, or go somewhere else, but you've got to leave or, or disaster's coming. You've got one week. And I could get down and I could yell at them. I could scream at them. I could preach all I want. I could tell them I'm going to be pouring the stuff on. You're going to be dead. But they wouldn't understand a word I was saying. Now, if I became an ant, I could communicate with them. If I became an ant, they might understand that they needed to move or their disaster's coming. And on one sense, that's what God has done with, with this for us in this baby being born. He became a human being so that we could hear him, so we could know him, so we could understand him. God's still trying to get our attention today. 
He sent the Messiah so that His message to the world would be clear and He's still trying to talk to us today. There was a first century Jew who was a radical Jew. He was as devout as they came. But he was also an intellectual, a bright mind. One of the best that the first century had. The early Jewish community looked to him as a leader. And one day he gets converted. He discovers who Jesus is. That Jesus was the Messiah. Well, he wrote to the Romans and he wrote this. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, the Messiah died for us. God demonstrates his own love in this. That while we were yet sinners, the Messiah died for us. You see, he did what we could not do for ourselves. We could try to keep the Ten Commandments. We could try to do everything right. But if we were to go around the church tonight, I'm sure most of us, probably all of us, would have to admit that we've fallen short. We can't do it. And he did what we could not do for ourselves. When my son was about two years old, uh, Rebecca, you weren't born yet, um, but he, he was of the age when, when he was still in the crib. And uh, we were off at, up at seminary, and in those days, and some of you have young children understand this, um, you, you put them to bed, and uh, once they're in bed, then, then you can have some time for yourself. So we put James to bed, and we were eating dinner with another couple. And we're in the middle of dinner, and all of a sudden I hear this blood-curdling scream. Not just a fussy thing, but the kind that just send, goes right through you. I go sprinting down the hall, I open his door, turn on the light, and there's James standing in his crib, and he's got, well, he threw up all over himself, okay? <laughs> I mean, it was nasty. It was so bad. I mean, you could see why he was terrified. I mean, it was really, I mean, you would have screamed. I mean, it was that, that bad. So when James saw me, his first response was, <laughs> and so I had a choice. Do I go comfort him and get messy? Or do I go pick him up and carry him to the bathroom and rinse him off? Well, I did what most dads would do. I went and I, I hugged him and calmed him down and comforted him. But it was nasty. <laughs> in a real sense, that's what God has done for us in Jesus He's entered into our mess. He's entered into our sin. When He died on the cross, he, all our sin went on Him. He entered into it so that we might enjoy life, so that we might get cleaned up, so that we might be comforted. He did it to demonstrate His love for us. Now imagine with me for a minute that you're Phil Anderson. Phil was on vacation at the beach. And Phil likes to do what I like to do at the beach. He likes to walk on the beach. And so he'd walk one or two miles down the beach, and about the time where it was for him to turn around, he, he kind of stopped and he looked out in the water, and there was this little boy out there playing. And he was having such a good time, it just kind of caught him. He just was amazed at the good time this little kid was having. 
And he turned around and he realized the little boy was a Down syndrome kid. Right as he looked at him and realized that, their eyes met. And when their eyes met, the little boy's eyes opened up with excitement, like recognition. And he got real excited and started to come toward Phil through the water. Just really like, like long lost friends. It was so surprising to Phil that he turned around to see if there's somebody else. And no, there wasn't anybody else. And here's this little boy coming straight toward him, just so excited, like you just see, hadn't seen him in a long time, with his arms out. And his natural response was to get down and let him hug him. But when he went into his arms, the little boy just smothered him with kisses and kisses on his lips. Well, you know about feeling awkward. Phil describes this as just feeling, I mean, here he's, he doesn't know this guy, and it's a little boy kissing him on the lips. About that time, his, the little boy's mama comes up, and she begins to apologize and say, you know, say, I'm sorry this happened. Well, he's walking back down the beach, and he's saying, Lord, why did you allow this to happen to me? Because he was feeling quite embarrassed, quite out of his comfort zone. And he didn't get anything for a while. And he kept walking and he kept asking. And then finally Jesus said to him, I just wanted to show you how much I love you. I wanted you to know that I love you. Well, if you multiply that by a thousand, you hadn't touched how much God really loves you. How God cares for you. How God delights in you. And it started with a baby that was born in a manger in Jesus. We get excited about Christmas. Not only did this baby fulfill messianic prophecies, not only was he unique, and not only did he rise from the dead, but it's a clear demonstration of God's love for humanity. Now, if you're here tonight, it's not an accident. I truly believe that God wanted you to hear this message. That He loves you. That you are special to Him. That He delights in you. That He wants a relationship with you. Now I know we live our lives for ourselves so much. And we just zip along and zip along as if God doesn't exist. And He's wanting to tell you, You are special. I care about what you're going through. I love you. But we push him out. We say no. We ignore him. For whatever reason, our ears are stopped up and we just can't hear. But he wants you to know that. He wants you to know that this baby was born for a purpose and that purpose was you and me. So tonight, I want you to reflect on this. I want you to consider it. I want you to think about that the God of the universe who created all that we know from the universe and all the stars and the billions of stars that are out there to what's under a microscope that you can't see except with that illumination. All of this incredible creation that He created. And yet He he entered the world. He entered the creation in a baby for you. 
so that you might have a relationship with him. Some of you have been putting that off, even thinking about it, because some of you could explain it better than I can. You've heard it again and again and again. You know the story and you could articulate it. You could be a Christian apologetic. Get out and explain it. But for some reason, you've never let it go from your mind to your heart. You've never yielded. You've never let Him in. You said, Lord, you can be God. Okay, I'll acknowledge you as God. Some of you are there. I'll acknowledge you as God. But I'll be my God. I'm not going to yield. I'm not going to let you be the boss. Until we do that, we're basically saying, I don't need your love. I can do it better without you. God continually says again and again, I love you. I love you. I love you. I care for you. I care for you. I care for you. So I want to challenge you tonight to consider it. If you're one who hadn't yet yielded yourself to Him, maybe this is the time to do that. We're not going to embarrass you and make you come forward with an altar call or make you stand up and, and, and witness to it. No, this is between you and the Lord. It's between you and Him. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending Him into the world to be our Savior and our Lord. And Lord, for anyone who opened themselves up to you this night, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them, that you would saturate them with your presence, that they would know you strongly, and that they would realize and understand the power of walking in your life. And this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Foley Beach, and I want to say thank you for listening to a word from the Lord. And I'm on the air this morning asking for your help. We are evaluating our program opportunities, and one of the ways we do that is we measure listener feedback. So if you could take a couple of minutes and send me an email or send me a note and just let me know you're listening and what a word from the Lord means to you, it'll help us in our evaluation process for 2009. Jeremy's going to come on and give you the address and the email address, but if you wouldn't mind responding, that would help us a great deal. Thank you again for listening. God bless you. Thank you, Foley. Remember, please contact us here at A Word from the Lord and let us know where you live and on what radio station you listen to A Word from the Lord. It will help us tremendously as we plan our broadcast initiative and seek to use our resources most effectively. Send Foley an email at foleybeach.com at a word from the Lord.org. That's Foley Beach at a word from the Lord.org. Or write to us, P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Again, our address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. A word from the Lord is made possible only through the grace of God and from the prayers and financial support of our listeners. Thank you in advance for contacting us with your location and station call letters and for all your support for a word from the Lord. Together we can broadcast the eternal hope that is found in Jesus Christ.
If you would like to receive a copy of today's message, please visit our website, awordfromthelord.org. There you can order the message you've just heard. And you can also order by writing to us. Our postal address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Remember, for any amount of love gift, you will receive a copy of today's message. So visit our website and order your copy today. Foley encourages you to email him if you have any comments or questions. His email address is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. His email address again is foleybeach at awordfromthelord.org. The following was a presentation of A Word from the Lord. We hope you've been blessed. And for Dr. Beach, I'm Jeremy Coleman. Until next time, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.